Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, a tool to help believers rediscover true biblical doctrine and to help them understand and live out their faith in their homes, in their churches, and in their communities. Thank you for listening to this episode. Let's get right to it. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Doctrine Matters Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Dew, and we are thankful that you are here, whether you are watching on YouTube or you are listening on an audio platform. If you have not yet gone to ChristianPodcastCommunity.com, I want to encourage you to do that right now. There are many Christian podcasts of which this podcast is a member of. There you will find so much content, so so many great podcasters with such great content biblical content, I might add, for you to listen to and for you to take advantage of right there on the Christian Podcast Community, ChristianPodcastCommunity.com. Go there and listen to all of those podcasts that the Christian Podcast Community has to offer. Today on this episode of the Doctrine Matters Podcast, we're going to talk about something that is very controversial right now. As you may know by the title, we're talking about Revival, and not just any revival, the Asbury University revival. Is it real? Is it a true revival? Is this a move of God, or is this something else? Is this emotionalism? Is this uh, something driven by man? Is this something that started off wonderful and quickly turned into a go-and-see type uh, festival if you will, um, or what is this thing? Is it too early to tell? Is it too early to say, yes, it is? Is it too early to say, no, it isn't? I can tell you there are people on all sides of this issue. Many people have found themselves commenting, and there are many people, people on my timeline, just as well as you might find people on your timeline as well, that would say, this is 100% definitely a move of God. Now, I would also say that there are others that would say, we don't know if this is a move of God. We need to wait and see what kind of fruit comes from this. And let me just tell you what's happening. So let me tell you about what's going to happen on this episode. First of all, I am not going to tell you one way or the other if this is a true biblical thing that is happening or if this is some man-driven emotionalism, sensationalism at its finest and tell you it's not a biblical thing. I'm not going to tell you it is a revival, and I'm not going to tell you it is not a revival. But here's what I'm going to tell you, is that brothers and sisters in Christ are well divided, and that is posing a problem, especially on social media, where we see what's happening, we get videos of what's happening, people know people that have gone there personally, and they can bring back reports and other people know people that have gone there, and they have sent back reports, and the reports are conflicting. Some say, yes, this is a move of God. Some say, no, that it is not, and that this should uh, have great, have some great concern associated with it. But here's the problem. For those that say this isn't, they don't feel like this is a move of God, they are getting just hammered on social media. And vice versa, those who are saying this is a move of God are getting hammered as well. And there is a lot of division across social media right now, division that should not be there. 
So as I believe doctrine matters, I believe the Bible matters, I believe the Word of God matters, I believe that we should take what the Word of God says in light of what is happening at Asbury University. And I think that one of the things that we should not do as believers is, number one, we have people we trust, and we know that, but we shouldn't just take people's word for it, even if we trust them. I'm a pastor in Northeast Arkansas. I get up and I preach the message. I preach a sermon. I preach from the word almost every Sunday, many Sundays a year. I preach the word. And I tell my congregation, don't just trust what I'm saying just because I'm one of your pastors. Don't just take what I'm saying and run with it as it's the gospel truth. Now, I hope I've done uh, the study that I that has been required. I hope that I have presented the word well. And I hope that I have done the text justice. But at the end of the day, I don't want my congregation to take my word for it. I challenge them and encourage them to get in the word and make sure that what I tell them lines up with the scriptures. So we've got so many people that are in and out of this revival already over the past few days. And many people are sending word back from what they have experienced. But I think there is a bit of danger in taking somebody's word for it, whether that person lines up with what you're thinking or not, because we can quickly jump on somebody's word and take that as the gospel truth without, without lining it up to the word of God, simply because we trust that person. Let me give you an example. Let's just say somebody that says, well, I'm kind of skeptical of this thing right now. I'm kind of uh, concerned about this thing to, 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 to know whether or not this is truly a move of God. I'm going to just kind of sit back and listen. And then one of their people that they know and trust goes to this thing and they send back word that says, no, this is not of God. This is trash. This is awful. This thing is a man-made emotionalism, sensationalism at its finest. Well, it's going to be easy for me to take that person's word because I might trust that person and what they're saying aligns with my thoughts. And I'm going to just hold on to that and make that now the gospel truth. And this thing should shut down because what I believe and what my, my friend on the ground has seen with his own eyes has uh, affirmed to me what I needed to know. The same thing can happen on the other side. Somebody that believes it's real and then they come back and, and they have a friend that says, yes, this is very real. And you just hold on to that. But what we need to do is we need to be Bereans. We need to be people who go to the scriptures and line everything up with the scriptures. And one of the things that I would tell you is no matter what side of this you fall on, I'm going to tell you there are solid biblical brothers and sisters that fall on each side of this, whether this is a real revival or not. So I'm going to tell you a couple of things here that uh, I think we should be doing as believers in light of this um, quote-unquote revival. And I'm going to use air quotes here, revival, because I'm going to be, I'll tell you that I, I am simply doing what the Bible says here. I don't want to rush to judgment. I am going to do exactly what we should be doing. And that comes from 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. And let me just read to you this, because we need to go back to the Bible and not, again, be quick to jump on the first thing that has God's name attached to it. And we don't need to be jumping on the first person that we know and trust that sends word back about what this is. We need to be being biblical Bereans when it comes to these things. So 1 John chapter 4, starting in verse 1, says this, Beloved, do not believe. Every spirit, 
Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this, you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Now, we'll just stop there because I think we just really need to take uh, the first verse of this and utilize what the Bible is saying and test the spirits. So what does that mean in relation to the Asbury revival, quote-unquote? This means that we need to take time and not rush to judgment either way. So we shouldn't rush to judgment and say, well, this is absolutely not a revival, or we shouldn't rush to judgment and say, yes, this is absolutely a revival. The problem with that is we get to cling on to what we've said, and then ultimately this thing is either going to play out to where we see it either was or wasn't a move of God. It it could be anything at this point. Right now, and uh, I've shared my screen here, right now this is kind of a, a, a view of what it looks like inside of this auditorium where this quote-unquote revival is taking place. So far, I want you to just um, understand what's kind of happened. I'll let you, if you haven't really heard, this is kind of a lot of what's happening, a lot of singing, a lot of uh, hands raised, people at the altar praying. There's been some confession of sin. Uh, I believe there's been a lot of praying. Uh, There's been a lot of people interacting. And uh, one of the things that we need to be careful with is all of the videos and the reports that I've heard come back have not included a, a, a much gospel talk, if at all. Um, that is a problem. But let me tell you what is good. Prayer and confession of sin. Those things are great. Those things are great, and I hope that continues. So what we need to be doing, and I'm just telling you from a s- scriptural point of view, not my point of view, is every one of us need to slow down and test the spirits. And you may say, well, I tested the spirits in the first two days. I believe this is great. If you are convicted and believe that this is a true move of God, then I will say to you, that is between you and the Lord, and I'm here with you. I'm for you. But I might say, I'm still not there yet. So I would respect your decision on whether or not this is a true revival or not, but I would also expect you to respect my decision and my need to be cautious and wait and see and and watch this thing and test and discern what I'm seeing and what I'm hearing, because I can be honest with you, as honest as we can be, is there are a lot of things that are are going on here that uh, I don't necessarily agree with, and I don't think I would necessarily call revival. Um, There's a lot of music being played that is coming from heretical sources such as Bethel and Hillsong and things like that. And if you know me, you know my stance on that. And something I've noticed is a lot of people saying, well, there may be a lot of new baby Christians needing to uh, grow up into this and see this and, and, and start repenting of sin and start changing some things. And I would say yes and amen. I pray that there are people in this place that would change some things about their lifestyle, that they would be awakened to obedience to the gospel and to the word of God. 
and that uh, this wouldn't become just some sort of fanfare thing that people flock to just to see what's going on. But I, I pray that people are truly changed in this. But there are some reservations here for me. For you, there may not be. Again, I respect your decision, and I would ask that you respect other brothers and sisters in their 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 decisions and what they think about this revival as well. Why? Because the church is already divided enough. We have so many things that are fracturing the church and fracturing people's relationships and putting wedges between others. Now, I would have some some folks that would be uh, more continuationist. They're more charismatic. But if they believe that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, which the Bible teaches, Ephesians chapter 2, and, and not any kind of work or not anything outside of that, then we can get along just fine as Christian brothers and sisters, although they may speak in tongues and believe in miracles and things like that. I, on the other hand, am a what we would call a cessationist, believe that the sign gifts has ceased. They, there are no tongues that I can't touch you and, and miracles happen. I don't possess the gift of miraculous healing. I don't possess the gift of tongues and, and, and all these things. And I don't believe anybody does. I believe that Hebrews 1.1 teaches that we have everything that we need in life and in death, in the word of God, everything that we need to live an obedient life. There is no more new revelation. Everything is closed. The canon is closed. We have the 66 books. So that's that's my position, but I'm not going to discount somebody else's position on something like this. Now, if their position moves into heretical views, if their position moves into rank heresy, then I will push back and call them to repentance out of love. But I'm not going to let what somebody thinks about a revival whether or not it's true, come between us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Like I said, there's so much that is coming between the church. There's a lot of divisions right now. And as a matter of fact, if we were to read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, I believe that we would see something that is very important for us as believers. And this is Paul speaking. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. Now, we need to be united in the same mind and the same judgment on closed fist doctrine. And what do I mean by that? We cannot play with anything, any of these doctrines inside this closed fist. We, we have to believe in the virgin birth. We have to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We have to believe that Jesus is the God-man, that he is fully God, fully man. We have to believe that Jesus lived a sinful, sinless life. He was perfect, and he died a sacrificial death so many can be saved. He was crucified, dead, buried. Three days later, he rose again, and salvation is by grace through faith, and it's only in Christ alone. So we need to hold those doctrines and a closed fist. Anything outside of that when it comes to cessationism or continuationism, we can have conversation about that, but that shouldn't be division within the the, the brothers and sisters of that are in Christ. It should not divide us, and especially saying, yes, this is revival, no, this is not, or I'm going to just sit and kind of wait and see and discern. This shouldn't cause argument. This shouldn't cause any frustration amongst the brothers. Now, can we talk about what we see? Can I can I have a conversation with somebody and say, well, you know, I, I saw a woman preaching during the chapel service during this, and I don't believe that women should preach over men. I don't believe they should be able to preach to men. It's kind of a, uh, I believe the Bible specifically leaves the preaching of God's word in mixed company for 
men as uh, men should be doing the preaching and leading from the pulpit and from the stage. So we can have that conversation. And I can tell you that I don't believe the music choices they're singing are the best as they're singing Bethel and Hillsong and Elevation Worship and all of those things. And I believe those churches are heretical. But then you can also tell me, well, I, I think that as long as they're growing and as they're praying and as they're singing to God and not to those institutions or whatever the case may be, we can have those conversations. But they should be done in love. I have seen nothing but hatred being spewed out over whether or not this thing is a true revival or not. I have seen, and I would fall within the Reformed Baptist camp, and I am not, I'm not ashamed to say that. So just let me clear that up if anybody is that's watching is concerned or confused. I, I would fall in the Reformed Baptist camp, and I feel like I hold to a true biblical theology. And... I do believe those closed fist doctrines, I hold them and I believe they're true. And I will not open that fist and let them sway or let them be stretched in any kind of way. They are closed and I will not deal with those. But those secondary issues as a Reformed Baptist, I have seen in my own camp, so to speak, and I, I kind of don't like to use that terminology, our own camp. I know we all have camps. We have a charismatic camp, a Reformed Baptist camp, a, a, a Presbyterian camp, but I think if we're all in agreement with those closed fist doctrines, we're all in the same camp. So I've seen people in the Reformed Baptist community at war with each other because one brother would say, I believe this is true, and the other says, I'm kind of waiting to see what this thing looks like, and there is conflict and, 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 and disunity amongst the brothers in that. There should not be any disunity, in my opinion, on secondary issues. Secondary and tertiary issues should be things that we could talk about and, and debate lovingly and, and sit over a cup of coffee and talk through. For instance, I, I have several brothers that I love dearly that are historic premillennials when it comes to eschatology. And I, as of right now, I'm leaning more on the postmillennial side. And I'm listening to these brothers' arguments in the case they're building for premillennial uh, eschatology, and I, I, they make really good, really good arguments and 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 back their position up very well. But we don't argue about it. We don't have argumentative or heated debates on eschatology. We don't have argumentative or heated debates over uh, continuationism or cessationism. Uh, we don't have heated debates over any of those secondary and tertiary issues. So the, the rules should not change simply because we are interacting over the Internet, because we find ourselves on social media uh, easy to say things that we normally wouldn't in person. So. This all boils down to, if I, if I can just be honest with you, this all boils down to respect for one another, love for one another, and love for the gospel, and love for people that hear the gospel. Now, again, I could tell you a hundred things that I dislike about what they're calling a revival right now, and I could tell you things that I do like about it, and you can do the same thing. You could tell me a hundred things you do like and maybe a few things you don't like, but I'm still going to value your opinion, and uh, and I would want you to value mine. Again, I told you that I am doing the First John 4, 1 method where I'm just kind of neutral right now and kind of feeling this thing out and, and testing the spirits, as the Bible says to do. But as I've had interaction with folks, I've been called a Pharisee. I've been told that, yeah, it was the religious elite who um, missed Jesus right in front of him. It was the religious elite who handed Jesus over to be crucified. So I'm, I'm being put now in a camp 
of Pharisees and religious leaders who killed our Savior. That is uncharitable. That is unfair. And it should not be done. And if you have done that, you need to repent. And brothers and sisters, listen, if you are on what I would say that I that we're sitting back watching this and you've condemned someone for believing it is a revival from the get, then if you've condemned them for it, if you have talked about them or labeled them, you need to repent as well. And it, it goes for every stance anybody is taking. If somebody is skeptical of it, they shouldn't be looked down upon and say, uh, you know, they would kill Christ if they had a chance to do so. You should respect that opinion and have a healthy dialogue about why they are skeptic, skeptic uh, why they are uh, finding themselves in that position. Have healthy dialogues that don't divide. Healthy dialogues should not lead to heated discussions and division amongst brothers and sisters. So I think it would do everyone some good to sit back and uh, really just test the spirits in this. And if you're already sold on one way or another, be charitable. We don't have to be right about everything. If I'm wrong about this, at the end of the day, when I finally make my what I think is right or wrong, I could be wrong. If I test the spirits and discern wrongly, then I'm willing to say I was wrong. And you should be able to say that, too, without breaking friendships, without breaking uh, even social media relationships. You should be able to be adults about this and have healthy dialogues. I was just talking with somebody recently uh, before I, I, I started this podcast episode uh, over social media, and uh, we were engaging in the conversation, and uh, I was given a meme. Here's you a meme, and good night. Uh, that's unhelpful. Let's just have a, a healthy biblical dialogue. I think this is important that we learn how to speak to each other that we disagree with. People that we disagree with, we ought to be able to have adult conversations with. Let there be no divisions until those conflict the closed fist doctrines. Then there has to be division. So uh, we need to desperately seek reconciliation amongst the brothers and sisters. We need to speak like adults. We need to um, just do what the Bible says. And then at the end of the day, measure what we're seeing coming out of Asbury University with the scriptures and not be quick to judgment one way or the other, and um, just be charitable with one another. Be loving with one another. And I'm going to end this episode. I didn't want it to be very long, but I want to end this episode by saying this. At the end of the day, this thing could be called a revival, or it could not be a true revival. But if there was one person that got saved as a result of this, all of this is worth it. Every bit of this, every bit of it's worth it. I don't think you could say it's a revival if one person got saved, but that's my opinion. Um, you may differ, then that's okay. Uh, but if one person gets saved, it's worth it. If one person realizes that they have not been living an obedient life in Christ as a believer and they uh, repent of their sin and, and just go all in with Christ and his word and being obedient to it and changing, then it's worth it. So I'm not saying that what's happening isn't worth it because. God's word will not return void. Now, again, that's another thing we can talk about. Uh, what what word is going forth, or if there is word going forth, there's not much. And then when it is being taught, what exactly is being taught from those pulpits? Anyway, that's for another debate, uh, healthy debate, loving debate. 
But if one person is changed by the grace of God, all of this is worth it, and our infighting is for nothing. So I want to encourage you, wherever you land again, be charitable, be respectful, don't let this divide, and have healthy dialogue. Biblical dialogue is what we need, and to speak like adults. Test the spirits and let this thing work out like it's going to work out. At the end of the day, it may be of God or it may not be. Either way, let's pray that it's of God. Let's pray that people are changed. Let's pray for repentance. Let's pray that the gospel would go forth. Let's pray that people would mourn their sin. And let's pray that the true biblical gospel would go forth and we would see many men and women come to faith in Christ as a result. But do not let this divide. I would love to hear your comments. I'd love to interact, engage if you would like to in a loving way. Feel free to comment. Uh, feel free to send an email, doctrinematterspodcast at gmail.com, all lowercase. You can do that as well. And I'll also link, uh, no, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to sway one way or another. There's been several videos put out about uh, whether this is a, a good thing uh, or if it's kind of something to be concerned about. You can look at those things on your own. You can uh, just discern biblically what you believe concerning this revival. Again, don't let it divide. This is nothing to divide on. Give God glory in all that you do. Exalt Christ and encourage one another. Until next time, thank you for tuning in. Hope you have a great evening, great rest of the week, and God bless.